Hey everybody, Michael Swaim here, and I'm doing it. I'm calling you to action. I am sincerely asking that if you're able, you'll check us out over at patreon.com smallbeans, where if you upgrade to being a $5 a month or more patron, you get access to twice as many pods like Star Trek The Next Futurama, Spielboys, Director Peace Theater, and One-Upsmanship, and even more great stuff. So hey, come on in. The water's beans. Patreon.com smallbeans. that you all donated something awful that's a part of you. I'm those nightmares coming true. I am your crime, so sit and listen while the fun begins. Because the bad guys win on Frame Rate, the show where we rate frames. <laughs> <laughs> was it the one you were thinking, Ness? No, I was thinking it was today, it's Thursday. <laughs> oh, today right. Well, Thursday. they don't know when we're recording, but that would be good. That we are recording. That's on true. A it's apt. Delicious it's apt. Thursday. Let's what? Thursday. Let's it's Thursday. Get fucking past it, because yeah, Vanessa's a returning champion. You know her. Yeah. You love her. Vanessa Woo. Guerrero. We'll do plugs at the end. I'm Michael Swaim. I'm Abe Epperson. I'm the other guy. Yeah. Now we can just talk. Um, people, you may not know this movie. Uh, Vanessa jumped at it immediately, seeing it upon the list. Uh, actually, it's a good chance to plug. We've shown this on our Small Beans Movie Night stream most Mondays uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific on the Small Beans Discord server in the Movie Night channel. You can watch a movie with us and we talk over it about whatever we want. It's usually a lot of fun. I hope you'll join us. It's open to anyone, even if you're not a patron. Okay. That said, Phantom of the Paradise... <laughs> <laughs> is a fucking insane Brian De Palma movie. And you may know him from movies that are not fucking insane, like Scarface, Carrie, The Untouchables, Mission Impossible 1. Vanessa, why were you so gleefully excited to respond in all caps? Oh, yeah, yeah. Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was really all caps about this one. This is uh, one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, it's like my absolute, anytime I've been like at my lowest, like Phantom of the Paradise is like smelling salts to like help me feel better. Um, it is just such an insane, deeply indulgent piece of art. Uh, and I'm so happy something like this got made in the first place. Um, yeah, because it's early in his career, right? Like, it's not based on clout. I think it's based yeah, on yeah. other successes of 70s bullshit like Xanadu or like, you know, wacky projects where they're like, okay, we're doing ex like Suspiria. Like Tommy. We're doing disco yeah. shit now. We're doing wacky trippy shit because all the kids are on drugs. This is what we're doing now. You know, it's okay. <laughs> you can be super weird. Yeah. So for the uninitiated who don't want to pause and watch it real quick. Or to decide if you're like, I got to watch this immediately. Um, it's much more like Rocky Horror Picture Show or Hedwig and the Angry Inch than it is like The Room or something like that. But it does have that party vibe. And it's sort yeah. of like a disco, glam rock, folk, hybrids, trippy send up of, I now realize, many things. So like Faust, Phantom of the Opera. There's a couple others. Something with a train. As we go through, I'll be Dorian like, oh, yeah, Gray. it's also this. 
You got one, Vanessa? Portrait of Dorian Gray. That's right. Sorry, that's the one I was fishing for. Yeah, it's also Portrait of Dorian Gray. So it's just like stories, but primarily Phantom of the Opera uh, about, you know, a just like Phantom, a guy who gets betrayed, his face is burned. He lives underneath, but it's like a disco glam rock club and takes his vengeance on everyone who wronged him. It's like the crow, you guys. No, it's not at all like the crow. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Abe, do you want to, I just want to ask you about like De Palma, because I know you're a big De Palma fan, and you showed this on the movie night stream like you chose it. I don't know this movie. I didn't until Abe exposed me to it. Vanessa loves it. What's your deal with this movie? Oh, I'm in the same camp. Uh, I I heard about it in college. Uh, and I was blown away. I was like, this is De Palma. This is the guy who brought us the untouchables, mm-hmm. you know? And like, yeah, this was early in his career, like two years before Carrie. Um, and it's just a it's just a delight uh, because there's so many like, for lack of a better modern like phraseology mm-hmm. for this, it's like insanely gifable. Like I've seen on the <laughs> Internet. You know, like the fa- the Phantom when he kills Beef, uh, uh, which is a character. The character he cackles, Beef, yes. <laughs> I he, love he Beef. He like cackles left and right, uh, and that's like a gif. I've also seen, of course, they they redo a version of uh, the Psycho shower scene. But it's a but plunger. It's with, the, yeah. with a plunger, also starring Beef. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, so there's just a lot of moments where you go, this is an insane movie. I can't believe I'm watching this. This was made in 1974. Mm. What a wild time. And it's it, it really it bombed when it came out, but it really got it like a Let it, me guess. Like, it has a cult following. It's like got a it's cult like following. Screams that. It's like I want a cult following. I don't I want, want you to like me. <laughs> yeah, so you definitely have to experience it once if you're a fan of movies. But it's actually like a British darling because like it, it it uses a lot of British uh, folks and, uh, you know, like it really <clears throat> it really has this appeal of like uh, the glam rock and like what was going on at the time. Like like when I like, for example, the like main main antagonist of this movie is Swan. Swan. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's played by played Paul by Williams. All time favorite dude. Yeah, like if p- people don't really know, like Paul Williams was like an icon um, in America. Like he wrote Rainbow of, Connection. Yeah, Rainbow Connection. This movie kind of feels like UHF at some points, like the drama. Yeah, of it. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he also worked for like he 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 like uh, he kind of ghost wrote for a lot of bands. He he also did a lot of TV and stuff like Love Boat and Smokey and the Bandit and Dexter's and- Lab. Yeah, exactly. So he's just everywhere and he's but like to me, what they're doing is they're like, we actually wish we had Elton John, (laughs) you know, like, but like we'll make do because like what they're doing is they're they're trying to make uh, a parody out of the music industry itself by saying it's a bunch of bloodsuckers and essentially vampires mm-hmm. who are vapid and, you know, cruel like, or like cruel, I, you notice yeah. it's for no reason. They're cartoonish. It's like Swan says when he 
after he's betrayed this dude, whatever, Randall Leach, Winston Leach, something like that, uh, yeah. the guy who will become the Phantom, and like took his work and ruined it and burned his face and, you know, stolen his girlfriend or what have you. Not even girlfriend, a meat cute that he had once. Uh, he goes, why can't we work together instead of at odds, instead of like constantly coming against each other? It's like, dude, he was not coming against you. You no. came for no reason and ruined his life. And it's interesting that you call him Elton John. I thought he was Phil Spector parody, but I could be totally off just because he's a producer who's a murderer but i was also getting phil Spector. Yeah. i think it's a combination but like if they had the ultimate budget like that's at the time well, what it was to me paul williams gets confused for elton john a lot because they kind of had a similar outward style the big shades big platform yeah. boots and shit like that blonde page boy uh, haircut thought, yeah the haircut but i also got like a phil Spector type from it because it very much is like a movie that eviscerates the music industry. Mm-hmm. And if people don't know, he ultimately was convicted of horrible abuse and murder. It's very juicy, including like keeping his wife in a gold coffin and shit or no, didn't keep her in there, showed her a gold coffin he made and said that he would kill her and put her in there. If she like, you know, did whatever displeased him. Uh, and he was famously like held a gun to the head of one of the Ramones to get him to do another take. <laughs> Shit like this. This guy's a legendary <laughs> maniac. And there's definitely he vibes actually, of that in Swan. <laughs> he adopted two kids without telling his wife as a surprise yeah. gift for her. Yeah. It's like Jim from the Great. office. <laughs> Fantastic. Just amazing. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, what else? This movie is also, oh, uh, Sissy Spacek, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we talked about this in Carrie, Sissy Spacek worked on this with her husband, Jack Fisk, who is like all time production designer was like David Lynch's production designer is, um, Terrence Malick's production designer, you know, worked on Revenant, you know, like just all over the place, like in the list of like top three, like uh production designer and art directors of all time he's definitely in the conversation he's the guy in like um you hear the stories about in like tree of life where it's just like just in case he made a town he like <clears throat> furnished all the buildings They're like we're not shooting in a house like a he's Terrence like yeah Malik but just like, in case <laughs> i asked you repeatedly not to do that Actually, yeah, exactly. God damn it, dude. It's a but whole like, town. Our budget's shot, I think bro. <laughs> that's the thing that jumped out at me about this film immediately is the production design, the sets, the stages. They're all so fantastic and they're they gorgeous. feel so perfect. Um, yeah. So it ain't, it's yeah, just, in a weird way. I mean, we just because we covered it semi recently, it reminded me of the control of gaudy color and lighting that, like, uh, the Leslie Nielsen gonna drown you segment of Creepshow had. It's almost comic booky, <laughs> which a lot of these movies that do this right, like I would say Hedwig and uh, the one the one I referenced before. Uh, uh, the best one, the classic, anyway. Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. That's what it's called. Oh, Rocky Horror. Horror. You're trying to say Rocky no, Horror. No, no, Rocky Horror. I actually Rocky thought of it, Horror. but then I was fucking around. Um, oh, but I will say the thing that Hedwig and Rocky Horror have that I do want to ask about as an outsider who didn't like love this at any kind of formative age is I do want to talk about the music because it's ultimately a musical. 
And I would say the musical segments are intentionally shot in a more prosaic, traditional way than the rest. You know, like the plot is comic booky and like super close lenses and the Phantom looks like crazy because he's in fisheye and shit. But the music, they kind of just showcase the performer. I mean, he'll like spin around or do something interesting with camera, but it, it does seem to calm down and focus on the performance as if to say the music matters too, which you should in a movie like this. And it's not the worst music I've ever heard, but I got to say, like, it didn't like, there was one or two literal like chord changes where I'm like, that's kind of catchy, but the rest felt like, I don't know, like cut rate Al Stewart to me, whereas Rocky Horror Picture Music still sounds good to me and Hedwig Music still sounds good to me. Do you guys really like the songs in this? I like the songs in this, although in general, I've always been a fan of like Paul Williams' big heart on his sleeve, very uh, schmaltzy kind of writing. He wrote the music for uh, my favorite Star is Born with Barbara Streisand and mm. Chris Christopherson. Mm -hmm. um, and I That's right. love the music from that. So I've always been a fan of his style. Um, so I, I do really enjoy it along with I my first my favorite is the first rendition <laughs> of uh, his song that he does when he's on that soundstage by himself. Mm -hmm. um, just because it's it's so um, the only lyric I wrote down, by the way, in the whole movie out of place was a crying clown who could only frown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like I like performances. I, I don't necessarily need like an amazing singer. I need a lot of like feeling mm -hmm. in a performance. And I felt like there's a lot of feeling in it. So it was one of my favorite ones. But I also really like the music because it kind of predicts a lot of genre or fads that ended up becoming a thing anyways, like nostalgia being a wave. Mm. Um, and in a way, almost the misfits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do really like the turkey trot dance that the female lead does twice, at least. <laughs> Her like saucy Phoenix. little, yeah. yeah, Phoenix does like a little chicken wing arms up dance off stage. Oh, yeah. And then immediately runs back on stage, not dancing anymore. <laughs> it's very odd. <laughs> as the 70s whole movie were is. a hell of yeah. a drug. I'll say that. Uh, yeah. She was also in Suspiria. Yeah, yes. and there's equally creepy, or like there's moments in this that made me think of Mandy. It's not trying to be creepy in that way, but the combination of datedness, like the parts that are problematic, combined with the neon phantasmagoria, makes it feel very like Mandy, like dirty. You know, like the yeah. part where they're trying to do a, almost a bit about how the audition line is just a casting couch to get them laid. But it's like explicitly that they're going to rape all these women. It's like it has an edge to it. That scene yeah. where he's like, get in there. And they're like, this is what you got to do to be to sing. You're like, Jesus, this is rough. Uh, it and it's like Swan just wants industry. to watch from his booth or whatever. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> I also was uh, reading like. I don't know. I, I the eclecticness is something we kind of mentioned about. Like from the jump, we get uh, a live performance by the Juicy Fruits, right? Yeah. And the whole idea behind the Juicy Fruits is that uh, there's essentially like they will transform three times over the span of the movie, so they don't matter as people. They are just a placeholder for like what music, like who's the who who's the hip band right now, right? 
like they start off straight out of Greece, but later they're like, like a, Shanana or whatever. Yeah. Right. But then they're like a goth band, uh, you know, like later oh, so, on. Sorry, but I, I laugh immediately in yes. this film when the narrator, who's like a Rod Serling voice that opens. No, that is Rod Serling. It is Rod Serling. Oh, that is shit. Rod Serling. Wow. Yeah. So I just thought it was an imitation, but. He describes like a band so good that it's like the Wild Stallions, right? It's like Bill and Ted, yeah, exactly. like a band so good that they change the face of the earth forever. And it cuts to a generic 50s doo-wop greaser band with the part yeah. where it breaks down. He goes like, and Johnny was a guy who lived in a town. He's like, this is the best <laughs> band ever that you're presenting me. <laughs> I also love, there's just little nuances with the Juicy Fruits. They're just having a great fun. Like the backup vocalist in the first scene has this Ooh-wee. enormous joint. <laughs> that oh, yeah. force feeds other members of the band in the background and they beat the shit out of a bar patron at one in point in split screen yeah they do a yeah. bunch of shenanigans there's actually a scene where we track a time bomb in split screen and i was thinking of touch of evil where we track the it's bomb ex- in the it's car a, yeah totally a touch of evil parody. oh where they're yeah. doing like beach rock the dooms yeah. beach rock which exactly. i will say is one of the catchier songs i thought is the thing that the like the Shaggy from Scooby Doo, motherfucker from Juicy Fruit sings, which is upholstery with my baby close to me. And that's how life should be, or some shit like that. And then he gets yeah. exploded, which makes me like that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, I do love the constant lobbying at the music industry of saying, like, it, this is a bunch of monsters and you shouldn't. They're not worthy of your love. You Almost know? in a Lewin Davis way. Saying. It treats yeah. them like hollow pieces of shit, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Literally working for the devil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he signs a Faustian contract with Swan, but Swan has signed a Faustian contract that Dorian grays him with the devil. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> and if we haven't made it clear, Swan is a record producer who's as famous as like Tom Cruise, which is not something that even exists. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a producer. He's not the musician. <laughs> no. I mean, and the audience yeah. chants his name. It actually yeah, trying to think. It reminded me of like American Astronaut kind of with the magical realism elements like that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, just because it almost is going about its own logic where you're just like, oh, I guess that's what's happening. It's a dream world that doesn't care. Right. Yeah. Like at one point, he he just plugs a cable into the Phantom and he plugs it into another machine and it auto tunes his voice. And you're like, "Okay." (laughs) Yeah. In fact, it almost becomes nonsensical. Like the main plot, like Swan is just this cutthroat monster who steals songs and ruins careers for apparently no reason other than he wants to. We assume greed. But when the Phantom starts, like, terrorizing the paradise, he's like, all right, I'll make you a star, baby. You know, like, let's do this blood magic thing. From his point of view, Swan has no plan. At the end, he, like, decides to liquidate some band that just made a number their first number one hit for him it's like didn't you want to milk that longer before you kill all of them like he has no it's impossible to know what his goal is from swan's own point of view in a good in a hilarious way frankly yeah yeah frankly (laughs) he's a maniac Uh, and you know it's intentional because they do a few I will say they show a lot of restraint with actual gags that wink at the camera. The camera does not, or the film does not wink that much other than I didn't mean to do this pun, but the few overt bits like where he gets assigned to a chain gang and all they do is box tiddlywinks. 
<laughs> That's what they do on the chain gang or whatever. Yeah. In the prison line. <laughs> no, you're right. It like it's a very earnest movie, which is why I think it doesn't vibe with everyone. Um, it's kind of unflinchingly earnest and it 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 doesn't wink at you. It doesn't act like it's like, oh, we're all in on this joke. Um, it it commits to how bonkers it is. Yeah. Oh, it also has yeah. cask of Amontillado. He seals him in at one point. <laughs> uh, can we talk about Beef for a second? Yes, my beef. second favorite character named Beef in anything. Uh, I love his intro. Well, I mean, it's not his technical intro. He just he gets a silent like where he's playing a guitar. But the first time that he's like he has arrived in the movie. Yeah. We get Swan saying, "I give you the future." beef <laughs> and he comes out of a coffin and, and he kisses. kisses and he looks like the kids in the hall bit where the guy was like i'm i'm evil and here's hecuba my manservant he looks yeah. like hecuba <laughs> and he goes super hard in all scenes i want he humps the air like voldo from soul caliber <laughs> yeah exactly uh i we have a <laughs> We have a tradition in, that's forming at Small Beans, which is point moments where I point out the uh, actor of something is from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Did you know, Michael, mm. that Beef, the the perform the the actor yeah. who played Beef, is the suicidal Q from Star oh, Trek Voyager? Wait, wait, whoa! He's way older. I mean, he yeah, would be, but 20, yeah, 20 but I barely recognize later. him. But that's amazing! Wow. Yeah. Anyway, the one frozen in a comet who wants to kill <laughs> that's himself. Right. Yeah. That's right. that's he starts deep, a civil baby. war in the continuum. Anyway, um, as they say to him when he just goes out on stage, "Give them beef, make it yours." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like uh, Philbin, who's. Basically, the Dan Doherty, if you're familiar with Deadwood, to Swan, <laughs> he'll kill anyone for him for no reason. Uh, they say, like, this is a totally different sound. Don't you care? Or, like, this doesn't this is not the Lynch, the guy who was originally supposed to sing it. And he goes, as long as this sounds good, no one cares what it's about. And Beef goes, oh, is that right? And he goes, yeah, no one cares about anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love the supposition that no one cares about anything. I get full nihilism from Phil. I love the scene after that, <laughs> yeah. too, where Beef is just in his green room and he's wearing a belt that it just has full antlers. antlers yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, and he just thrusts it at people. Beef is shall be saved at, in all at all costs even <laughs> right. though he dies in the movie i know he dies well Spoiler. he gets yeah. shocked with a neon lightning bolt yeah, but he could live he could he live could be alive. he also is the only one who understands the wrath of the phantom like he yeah. tries to leave the theater going the phantom is real the phantom is real but i also found it odd that when they force him to go back on stage he's immediately like well if i am going on stage I'm going to give it my all, a thousand percent, no caution, don't warn people, don't try to escape, even though the Phantom said he'd kill everyone. I'm just going to do the show. Like, that's what we're here to do. Yeah, because he'd rather be famous. Yeah. Beef's a pro. Yeah. Beef's got the eye on the prize. Do we know the name of the other one who's with Beef? (laughs) I don't think we ever get their name. Fries? His assistant or whatever? (laughs) Beef and Fries? I don't know. I, I I don't know. I thought he just had a rolling like assembly line of like 
cronies. I didn't even know that he had a a second like that came. Well, back. when they introduce him, there's a little smaller guy by him, and he seems to be <laughs> with him in the green room. But then you don't see him on stage. Although they do really? have that opening number, which is a bunch of like zombie type dudes in punk ensemble who cut off the audience's hands and arms and uh right and crowd surf them so my question about that is the phantom's whole thing is only phoenix can sing my cantata only phoenix can sing my cantata it's clearly written for like 20 parts did he want phoenix to sing all the parts what did he want to happen with it because it's written for multiple people there's different characters in it yeah it does seem that way I will say that uh, there's like an insinuation that I think that the movie makes that isn't as apparent uh, in like previous viewings that I was like, huh, which is when the Phantom finishes the cantata, he writes the end, right, (laughs) Uh, on his sheet music. Mm -hmm. And on his sheet music, there's just assorted pills, just (laughs) real dire stuff. I think we're supposed to believe that like Leech even before like maybe this is because he's the phantom and now he's taking pills or something mm-hmm. but i just kind of functionally I, he's he is also a maniac like the he's shown as like an everyman he's like a feral monster by the, after he, the turn after the turn but i think even before the turn he was like i think he could have also have been like uh, a troubled individual right <laughs> yeah. Um, well yeah he he goes to see Swan, who, by the way, is in a giant gold record desk in the center, the whole of the record, that there's no yeah. visible way <laughs> to get in or out of. He's just in there. And, uh, <laughs> just imagine him and crawling. He, and when he realizes he's getting ripped off, he runs to the record factory. I just want to say how he became the Phantom because it's amazing. He goes to prison and he gets all his teeth pulled. The guy's like, you are volunteers. We are now pulling your teeth. And they just don't explain. They pull all his teeth. So he has metal teeth. And then he runs to the record, like printing factory to try to stop them. And he gets his face half burned by being pressed in the record press of his own record that was stolen from him, (laughs) which is like the one poignant symbol that actually hangs together that I feel like they must have built the screenplay around. Yeah. Real Phantom of the Opera shit. Yeah. Although I was disappointed that his mask is just a, it's like the Phantom repurposes something. His mask is literally a mask, like a costume mask that he finds in the costume room of the wardrobe department in a theater. I feel like the mask should have a better origin than that. You feel yeah. like he should have like handmade the mask or like been given the mask by like well, some other. He didn't other... choose his identity, right? He just picked a mask at random. Well, then I had a question about that because they're all birds. Phoenix, Swan, the Phantom is an owl. Kind he looks of like mask. an owl, yeah, with the, the feathered death tape. label. Swan's death label oh, is a dead, is a bird, dead bird, dead songbird. Yeah. What's what's up with that? I don't know if it means anything. I don't know. Maybe he just really <laughs> vibed with a bird motif. Yeah, yeah. No, Birds I mean, are freedom. So I don't. It's just like I'm gonna yeah. go wild with this movie. It's about. It's zany. It's free. I don't know. That's what's interesting about it as a movie, as opposed to something like The Room, because in moments, The Room will give you the same joy, but for different reasons, because De Palma actually is a good filmmaker. So it's a bunch of crazy nonsense, but none of it is put together badly. It's put together well. Yeah. It's almost you're more wondering why does this material look this good actually (laughs) or how'd they convince him to make it look so good when it's about this beautifully shot (laughs) 
And they must have mentioned Tommy in the pitch meeting. Like, I feel like if Tommy didn't exist and wasn't a massive hit, no one would have let him do this, right? No, I think it very much has Tommy to thank for getting through a pitch at all um, because there's so many odd frames of reference for it that I can't imagine a room full of executives jumping at the chance to make this. Yeah. Even these executives. Speaking of kind of influences... Um, oh yeah! I read. I read uh, in in research for uh, this movie. We wouldn't have Daft Punk if it weren't for this movie. Nope. Apparently, Daft they... Punk saw this movie like twenty times together as a kid, as kids, and it they credit it with their love of synthesized music. Oh, well, well they were also like, their look really is similar. Yeah, yeah, no, their look yeah. is similar too. They modeled look, the yeah. helmets out of it. And wow. actually, on their album, Random Access Memories, they have Paul Williams doing a song called Touch, where he's mm-hmm. doing Phantom Voice. Oh, that's fantastic. I didn't even realize that until just this moment. Yeah. Highly recommend listening to the song Touch uh, by Daft Punk after watching Phantom of the Paradise for just like a really gorgeous full circle moment. Yeah. That's yeah, that's so cool. I also well, my favorite rock opera is Jesus Christ Superstar, and I gotta say, Beef sounds like he's doing an imitation of Judas from that. Uh, but I can never quite. I like maybe I'm ignorant of genres, but what genre is Beef supposed to be? I couldn't tell if he was like a hard rocking, or hair metal, or like he's almost an unidentifiable vibe which i do think is a, an amazing choice because up there's like folk rock in this and then there's like disco rock but beef is just screaming like a wild animal um but he wears like antler belts and gold lame underwear and shit i love it it's insane it's not a recognizable yeah. genre of music to me i would say beef transcends genre yeah uh, he Straddles but to him. me he's to me, he's uh, like proto-punk, right? This is the 70s. We're starting to get the punk vibe. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of doing hard rock. But at the time, like that but wasn't, really, a, it wasn't think, really established. I think I it's say. like, to me, it feels like a parody of what like the establishment considers punk rock to be like kind of like how the sex pistols were like a band that was like put together by someone that was like trying to figure out what punk looked like. It feels like what like hyper curated rebellion looks like from the point of view of somebody that's like uh, a higher up. Yeah, that's that's a better way of putting it. I would say I agree with that. Yeah, it's not real rebellion. It's uh, like uh, the kid in the D. Snyder music video going like, no, dad, until the walls blow off the house. It's very packaged (laughs) and clean, which I appreciate. Like, I I have nothing wrong with kitschy vibe. Um, I do love how quickly after Beef dies, all the groupies who wanted to fuck Beef and the guy's like, now Phoenix is going to sing it. They're like, now we all want to fuck Phoenix. <laughs> like, we are groupies of that. Right. It, totally yeah. different tones, too. It, it's it like, insults not just the producers of music, but the consumers as well. Right. <laughs> They're yeah. just sheep. It, uh, in that way, it reminds it actually, like, if I were to have a double feature, if I wanted to talk about this point, it's like you put fan of the paradise and then you you follow it up with Josie and the Pussycats you know Ooh. like because those both those movies have a disdain for audience and the industry itself you know 
Um, although arguably Josie and the Pussycats is a much more wholesome, like there is something there though. It's actually more commercialized than this movie. All right. Don't take us down this old branch. Is Josie and the Pussycats meta aware of whether it's commercialized or is it simply capitalism (laughs) subsuming commercialism into its own narratives? We can't do this again, Abe. (laughs) We already did it. And you can check that out. It's director piece, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's a director piece. But um, yeah, no, I, I love that about it. I love that it is true to a tragedy. And it's just like, yeah, hollow and vapid and uh, yeah. everything sucks. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and for no reason, just because he's a dick. Like if you look at it in retrospect, Swan didn't even need to get a contract or fuck over Leech. Like why didn't he just honestly work with Leech? Because in the end... What he wants to present to the audience is Phoenix, the one Leech wanted to sing, (laughs) singing the full cantata as Leech wanted it performed. Like, they agreed. Why are they fighting each other? They do the (laughs) same thing. Like, they could have just made a deal and been in business together. Uh, But none of it makes sense, and it doesn't have to. It also kind of reminded me of Survive Style 5 Plus at some points, if people are aware of that. Bananas movie. That's a deep cut. Yeah. But, like, I love when Swan... uh, says uh so just it was phoenix herself i was thinking of before so phoenix has just become a huge hit and then he decides he's gonna have her assassinated on stage live even though he could have just milked her for more money and they're like why and he's like because that's entertainment the ratings will go through the roof as if we live in a dystopian future right where death is but when they do try to assassinate her and they accidentally shoot the officiant of the wedding instead no one acts like that's normal. Everyone freaks out like someone just got shot in the head. So what did Swan think was going to happen? <laughs> like everyone would clap and that would be a cool show. I mean, he's not wrong. Like, here's the thing. Like, there's uh, one thing I wrote down is that there's a guy in the final in that sequence you're talking about in a red Hawaiian shirt uh-huh. who sees the Phantom walk up and stab Swan uh-huh. in, like in the chest several times. And is immediately just like, hell yeah, let me give me some of that. Grabs the knife from the Phantom, starts stabbing Swan. I did not notice that. (laughs) Yeah, I love that guy. I love that guy because he's also the same guy that when the Phantom is dying, this is when I noticed him. He's dying and crawling around. He's crawling around, acting like the Phantom. (laughs) Yeah, but if if anyone has seen these new. or they were recently viral arm wrestling videos where huge guys say really nice, sweet stuff to each other as they win at arm <laughs> wrestling. It's like that. Cause this guy is crawling along with the Phantom as he dies in a mocking way, but he keeps going, you can do it, man. You'll get to her. Come on. You can crawl. You can do it. It's, so it's I think surreal. I think the idea here is that everyone like when we have gotten to the point of like such postmodernism in our performance, no one knows what's real so the audience just assumes none it's of it's real like they don't yeah. think that beef is dead they think even ah. what like, even it has these being wheeled off to the ambulance on the in the outside of the like venue the audience is still chanting beef 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 because <laughs> they're hungry they think this is a part of the show um so i think that's something to be, like i don't know that i think that's where they're going with that life is but a stage it Perhaps. kind of reminds me of how crowds would gather for like public executions where it's just like, mm, it doesn't really yeah. matter who it is. You just want a piece of the carnage. Yeah. 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 It's gladiatorial combat in some ways. Uh, I also just because we have a trick pod have to point out 
that the final reveal where the phantom unwinds swan's plot and finds out about the dorian gray shit is just because he watches a quote-unquote security camera footage video that is a fully edited in-color video with good boomed sound of like the devil talking to him (laughs) it also says like that whole sequence there's also live on the air yeah, it says like, live on air. Where you're like, which what does I that don't mean? know if the, how that can be true because there's multiple like monitors. But like, right. it's it's almost like it's just throwing things at like people don't know how it all works. So the world is Brian just De Palma is just now. saying like, and imagine this is being broadcast somewhere too. Sure, in kind of a uh, Running Man way, you know, like where it's just like mm. people will fucking love this shit if they pay a premium or something like that. I think is what they're going for, but I'm not sure. Well, and I got the impression that his Dorian Gray thing is a bunch of tapes of him having sex with women rather than a painting, because uh, that's why he burns the tapes, right? It's to Dorian Gray, right? Um, and that's also hilarious to me because he he wily coyotes his face melting off like his face must have melted off at the moment he burned the tapes because we see him with a mask and the movie holds the reveal. So that means he's like, what? My face melted off. Oh, no, my face. Like, you know, two minutes <laughs> yeah. after it actually happened. Like, you can't feel that. <laughs> you can't feel that your whole face and body are like rotting away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's amazing. Like the more you dig into it, I will say that's the one of why I think this stands up as one of these gaudy movies. That's fun is because Brian De Palma being an actual real filmmaker puts unnecessary levels of detail. So you can watch it five times and be like, Oh, it's all birds. I never even noticed that. That's another layer of stuff that's there, but for no particular reason, it makes it seem wackier still. Like it just keeps unfolding. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like art when it's indulgent. I like when somebody clearly is enjoying themselves making something like you can really tell that like he's having an absolute blast and making all of the choices that he wants to make. Um, Now, those choices might not necessarily always be popular, but very rarely do you see, especially in the age of like so many big IPs where directors step to the helm to just do like traffic control. It's nice seeing somebody have like full creative license to just go crazy. Like it's also a different time of making movies where like some people like to consider it a more like artistically free time because now the corporization of a lot of things make it so that like that doesn't make sense. So why are we doing that? But there's like little small things like, um, you know, Beef's tattoo on his face keeps changing. Oh, does and stuff it? like that. Yeah, like it's it's like, and it's, it's almost annihilation. It changes shit. at at one point in the scenes in between the scenes that you were talking about earlier, where he's like attacked by the Phantom in the shower, and then he's like, "All right, I'm getting out and going, um, leaving the paradise." Um, and his his tattoo changes, and it's very prominent um on his face and you're like what's going on here and i think that's just because on the day they're just like this is all kind of throwaway um i don't know where that like that impetus is coming from in terms of the filmmakers but and some people probably argue still it's like this is just they're doing a bad job they don't care about continuity but i don't think they cared about continuity it wasn't their goal there um so that's just something i think that the 70s had a lot more of 
than I think that we're used to in like normal audiences will kind of knock it or just like catalog it a lot more often. Yeah, the audience, it's a fickle audience. So I was just mulling over the thing that was said earlier about how maybe they all think it's part of the show. But I'm like, but when the Pope gets shot, some of them do scream and run. But then I was thinking also at the end, though, they all dance and party in the blood of all the dead people. Like, that's the (laughs) final image of the movie, which is amazing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I don't know. Had Little Mermaid? Little, There's no way Little Mermaid was out by this time, right? I don't think so. Little Mermaid's no, probably 90s. It was Little Mermaid. Yeah, the Mermaid was... Early 90s? Early 90s. Anyway, right? I only mention it because I like seeing... What could be, you know, every time yeah, I notice a nod cool. to a different story, I'm like, oh, a cask of Amontillado too. Um, and Swan is literally Ursula. <laughs> like, he, <laughs> uh, at the end, at, says he's going to take... Uh, Phoenix's voice and his interpretation of that is to crush her windpipe <laughs> like I yeah. love that he doesn't mean it as a metaphor he mean, he just means I'm going to strangle you to death I'm going to yeah, take your like voice <laughs> yeah yeah it's not Despite, like uh, into knowing that the magic is real like he can the devil he can, is real yeah but. he's immortal <laughs> and you so you think oh okay he's going to take like like you said Ursula he's going there's going to be some like wind and but then when he goes the time mist. has come for me to take your voice he just chokes <laughs> just a bitch like, out bam <laughs> <laughs> Out of place was a crying clown who could only frown. Do you guys know, um, uh, not Al Stewart, but Harry Chapin, Cats in the Cradle? Yeah. Cats in the Cradle. Like, he does a, okay. He does, he does a bunch of other songs. He does a lot of songs that are just like sad stories about sad middle class people. And a lot of the songs <laughs> in this also remind me of that. Yeah. The, it's, it is kind of like, I don't know, to me, every time I watch this, I am always taken back by like music was like fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. Like it feels different musically uh, just in terms of like like their I- impulses, like where they want to go with the with the music. Uh, just so different now, given that this is like a 50 year old movie, you know, right. like that's wild. Yeah. Um, and you really can feel it. You know, it almost feels like there was at one at one point. Like, uh, before he's the phantom, Leech is running around, and I'm like, this feels like a Harry Nielsen song, you know? Like, it feels like yes, a very winsome, you know, like, there's, it's it's all over the place, but it's, like, kind of wholesome, and, like, yeah, we're having fun, you know, and stuff like that, and I'm like, why is this here? Because this movie is not that, and but it's, it's multi-genre, because he'll do, like, exactly. uh, they're basically saying they are showcasing what it is to produce music, which is kind of structurally interesting uh, because, yeah, you'll hear him do a piano driven folk rock Al Stewart version of the song. Then later when they produce the whole musical, it's a rock version of the same song and they'll do, you know, and then they'll disco it up because beef is doing it now. Uh, so they're definitely showcasing all of the music, all the hit musical genres of the time, including whatever made up genre beef is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he is to me rock opera because he's he's doing rock opera, sides. which is its own specific genre. That's right. Right. He feels yeah. only like Tim Curry, and like he feels like he is a rock opera character. Right. Which wasn't a popular form of music. It's not that was a many popular of those. Yeah. Genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it still definitely exists in the zeitgeist. 
For sure. Okay. For sure. I was going crazy trying to remember the name of this subgenre that I feel like that first song, the Juicy Fruits do cover. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with splatter platters or death discs? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> okay. Those are, so yeah. they're basically, they're like popular in like the 50s and the 60s. And basically it was like that like teenage tragedy kind of ballad. Like my dad used to listen to this song all the time called Tell Laura I Love Her. Oh, of um, course. Now I know what you mean. Torch songs, I like, called them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like Leader of the Pack. Um, yeah, where that's it was the all most like famous, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All like about teenagers where it's like, and then he died. It's Romeo and Juliet, essentially. Same impulse. Yes. Like it's juicy. Isn't it tragic when young horny teens in the prime of life die suddenly? You know, it's that story, which is ancient, I'm sure. But uh, I got to shout out one of my favorite all time bands, 10CC, do a parody of this genre called Johnny Don't Do It. That's also very good. That's just like Johnny Don't Do It. Now he's an angel. All that shit. <laughs> it reminds me of also uh, Andy Daly is an idol of mine. And if people don't know, look up Andy Daly doing his character named Hot Dog, who's a water skier who loves the band Sha Na Na. It's great. <laughs> his, oh, like, he only listens to songs in this particular subgenre. I wonder if there's any relation to beef. Beef and uh, hot dog, yeah. Beef and hot dog. It's weird. It's wild because like, so this weird, movie is also- stuff. Weird, wild stuff. Weird, wild stuff. This movie is also a horror movie, right? So, and like Carrie came out next. And it's just interesting that you mentioned like how- there's a subgenre about, you know, like teenage kids dying. And that's like the bread and butter of like the slasher genre. Like it like De Palma feels like ahead of his time. And it's also one of those strange things where it's like De Palma isn't known for being like a slasher guy, but he seemed very interested in just the conversation of like kids dying. Oh, I yeah. And the slasher elements are not gory or intense. It, it's that kitschy vibe it feels like uh right. you know beach blanket bingo bloodbath or whatever some yeah, exploitation movie like, from the 60s let's, let's make that really horrifying uh-huh. is like it seems to be the filmmakers kind of ambition here let's shoot it like a skate video and have the phantom just look around he's just rolling <laughs> his eye around it's all creepy God. <laughs> man i just love how he cackles oh my it. favorite gif is it's hard to describe how perfect it is because that's you know because it's an image but is just the phantom like pushing his head at camera like a bird and his eye rolls around is <laughs> that's my yeah. favorite phantom gif yeah it's, it's so just wonderful. like a good shot of him yeah it's yeah and he's he when he cackles it reminds me of that gif that we've all seen online of that little kid in a stadium who's just like he goes nuts like he's yeah. super excited about someone scoring a goal yeah and if you've seen that gif it's like the phantom that's the energy of the phantom the phantom is essentially just this kid in a candy store of death mm-hmm. that make that checks out with the voice out. box of the guy from south park who died <laughs> yes <laughs> and he's like literally and this like predates star wars literally walking around with like a like a darth vader like his, yeah. he has to carry his box around that has his. Voice. And it makes breathing noise. Yeah, that's interesting. He is Vader. It's Vader-esque. kind of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird. I mean, Vader also is just like a black armored samurai, right? I'm sure there's some inspiration there. And right, a lot of inspiration right. from. Um, He's a weeb, bro. Lucas. Frank Frazetta. Oh yeah, Frazetta. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Everything's from something else. It's nothing so true. Is creative. Um, speaking this- of nothing creative. I'm almost out of stuff to say about Band of the Paradise. I want to plant my flag in the, in the sea, in the sand. I don't know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. dying on a hill. I just want to say that I think in the end, <laughs> through non-nostalgic eyes, uh, I like, I'd go, as, as a film, as a film, quality of filmmaking, I'd go this, then Hedwig, then Rocky Horror. And then in terms of music, I'd go, Hedwig and then Rocky Horror and then this. I don't, I don't, I don't like the songs. <laughs> you don't love the songs. I'm sorry. And that hurts. That hurts if you like the rest of the movie. But like I found myself when I realized the chorus was going to repeat and I didn't need to scan the lyrics for something funny to say, I just skipped ahead. That's surprising to me because you're more of like, in terms of music, you're like an eclectic Whereas I'll, Yeah, I'll sing Evita in the car and shit. Yeah, I'll sing weird shit. The night Chicago died. Yeah. Do you, what's your, I want to know how you guys, in what esteem do you hold Rocky Horror compared to this? Because they're very okay. comparable. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I have never seen Rocky there Horror Picture go. Show. Oh, <laughs> I did not. That, that's a twist. I didn't expect that. <laughs> no one expects that from me. Everyone assumes I've seen it and enjoy it because it seems like <laughs> something I would like. Because if you saw it, you would enjoy it. I, I think mean, I would like enjoy this. it. <laughs> They're I not like that this. far apart. I like right. this and I like gender bendy shit. Um, right. And unless so you're sh- the only person on the face of the earth I've ever run into who doesn't adore Tim Curry, you're yes. going to like it. <laughs> and I love Tim Curry. I Everyone think I've just been waiting. You're gonna, it sounds like you're going to get around to it very soon. Mm-hmm. I am. The thing that I need is everybody who finds out that I haven't seen Rocky Horror says that the first time I, sh- I watch it should be at a screening. Dude, um, no, just, or whatever. Do what you need to do, but I understand their impulse, but that just sets the bar so high that you'll never do it. Just watch it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of think they're wrong because, I mean, they're writing that that's it the is fun. premier sure. way of seeing it, but, like, honestly, I'm the kind of contrarian, and I don't know if you are too, where it's like, if you went to a place where you feel like you're inundated with like everyone's in on these in jokes and you're like, but I don't know the in jokes. It's a very separating. If The experience is very different. Yeah. I person. actually hate it. I went to, cause jokes, are, things are funny cause they're surprising. And I went to a yeah. room screening where people would in unison yell the jokes before they came out like or like spoon. laugh at the exact right yeah. time, like robots. And I'm like, you're literally unpacking my Christmas <laughs> presents before they arrive right. like this experience sucks actually yeah Ooh, no, I, that actually if i may dish a little cheese may yeah. <laughs> um so i heavily judge potential partners a lot based on the way they watch movies i don't mind talking i enjoy talking but like knowing when is the right ways to like right times to be quiet and um, I just went on a date in which uh, they had seen the movie before me and it was a whodunit and they kept yelling out clues before I even got to see them. Oh, that's infuriating. <laughs> um, and I explained to them later that that was the reason that I yeah. refused to kiss them. You're going to want to watch this part. <laughs> Pay attention to this part. See the I book? Mean, it's, look, the, the gun's missing. Book. His gun's yeah. missing. What do you suppose that means? What do you suppose? <laughs> 
Yeah, they can't be alone. Because it's, it's, it's one shade close yeah. to like Spoiling. I'm explaining. Yeah, or I'm telling you six senses about blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah. Not that it's irredeemable. You could still have a good time with someone who does this, but I'm right. just saying that's not it's not how I uh, would enjoy a, a movie. I My brother does that, too. I, I have a brother who used to do that. Um, and it's it's kind of yeah you're you're absolutely right it takes the fun out of it it's almost like listening to a podcast about a movie you haven't seen before (laughs) that maybe some of you are all in i don't know why you're doing it but you know like oh my rule for that is i usually listen to movie podcasts by people i like about movies i have seen but if I listen to like the opening and I realize it's a movie that I don't need to watch, then I'll still go ahead. But you're right that yeah. if I've heard the episode, I've burned that movie now. I'm less interested in watching it for sure. Yeah. 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 And I could see how that that could happen with like a lot of these types of movies because it's about this kind of collective energy. And if that energy has been dispelled and it, it can't organically form for you over the process of watching a movie, you're never going to be in touch with it. So I encourage you to watch Rocky Horror just... Wow. In the comfort of whatever space you want to watch that movie so that you can enjoy it for the rest of your life in crowds, you know, uh, or you can go. It's fine. And I don't need to do that anymore. I think I, I'm that's just going to watch think. it. No, watch it. But um, Speaking more of staying to, in touch. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to kind of answer your mm-hmm. question from earlier. I I kind of agree with your assessment about like. Yeah, like in in terms of like musicality and, you know, like quality of movie. I think this movie does stack at the top just because it does like interesting visual things. Um, And I think that the sets are kind of better, which may be heresy for some Rocky Horror Picture Do you think it's better than Tommy? Uh, I think it's better than Tommy. I do think it's more like... Wow. Visually interesting, wow. but I do think Tommy. Oh, visually interesting, d- maybe sure. But I, I'm just saying the album Tommy as an experience <laughs> musically. Yeah. I think you're right. The, this is probably not as good. Um, but like I don't know, it still does it enough. Like I'm the kind of guy who's just like I just need the box to be checked, and I'm like, yep, they did it. Um, I don't need it to be the grandest thing. Uh, now it's all playing so. in my head. How do you think he does it? I don't know. Tommy rules. I'm gonna go listen to Tommy. Can we wrap so up? Tommy's pretty... <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we can. All wrap right. Speaking this up. of saying in touch, which we aren't anymore, Vanessa, if I put on some white opera gloves and went to the basement and told my phantom break her, where would that phantom find you, and what might you be working on? <laughs> yeah. Um. Every other Friday, I release a podcast called Popcorn and Pixels, where we take. Um, movies and video games and compare across uh, narrative storytelling and ludonarrative storytelling and the differences is how uh, as to like how they approach the same subject how they deliver that information to you um, and uh, the next episode we have is uh, dinner in America and I think my partner my co-host paired it with uh wolfenstein 2 and i don't know why (laughs) um so i gotta play through it to find out what the hell she's trying to tell me there Mm. um and then every other monday i produce a show called 10 minute power hour on the grumps so check that out and then this october i will be judging a film festival the lambertville halloween film festival so if you're somewhere near lambertville new jersey come check that out hell yeah Look into all of that. Vanessa's incredible, so I'm sure all those things will be awesome. 
Uh, also check out Kicking and Screaming, uh, a great pod that is dormant now. Is that true? Yeah, that's yeah, that but, won't but exist combined anymore. action and horror movies, which is you're a good combiner. You have good premises of things that should go together. I like making things kiss. <laughs> yeah, I like I like holding mm. two things up like action figures and making them kiss. And go smooches. All right, well that's what Abe and I are gonna go do. But thank you all for listening. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna listen to Tommy. Okay, so we're gonna smooch while we listen to Tommy. That's the plan. Uh, you can check out all our additional podcasts including patron exclusive shows at patreon.com slash small beans otherwise stick it here on the free feed for whatever comes next